0: Well, I'm, I'm excited for tonight, and can I just say, I think it's so cool worshipping together, um, all of us as a collective. There's something really powerful. I was a bit moved kind of during the worship, just stopping, stopping and, and listening to, I guess, just a group of people singing with their heart that, that God, I'm desperate for you. And maybe if you're new with us this evening, I guess the reason that, that that's our heart's cry is we've seen God do some amazing things in our life. And I guess for a lot of us, we've come to a point of recognizing that actually the things that God's got for us are big and exciting and awesome, but we're going to need his help for that. And so that's really powerful. I'm excited for this evening. If I haven't met you, my name's Levi. How do you do? Um... And I want to start by telling a story about a special friend of mine who's not here this evening, which is a shame. But many of you would know your boy, Young Moe's. Shout out. Um, and what a guy. And Young Moe's did something pretty funny last week. After the service, we went to, to Rache's, and we got some dinner. A few people were there. Rache, brach. And, um, and we, we ordered some food. And Young Mo's, um, he was pretty confident, let's say that. And actually, he wasn't confident. He wasn't confident that the serving size would be enough. So he decided that he would order a pizza. And he thought, you know, pizzas probably going to be small. So he ordered a burger and chips to go with it. As you do, right? Who else gets burger with a, a pizza with a side of a burger and chips? Um, and he got his, as, you know, he was pretty confident in this. And as the meal was kind of coming out, it was pretty amazing because the lady kind of walks around. She's like, chicken pizza? And you could see Moe's kind of acknowledge that that was his chicken pizza, but you could also see this kind of moment of realization and panic starting to set in as he realized that it was indeed a full size pizza, knowing that he had a burger and chips coming as well, and his excitement turned to panic, and you could see in his mind thinking, I may have overcommitted here? I may be in just a little bit too deep, um, and I think he was praying that the burger would be small, but no, it was a full-size burger, and young Moe's went home with probably three-quarters of a pizza and 90% of a burger and chips in the two largest take-home containers I've ever seen. He was like, oh, are you taking food home for your family? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Actually, he just ate that all week. Uh, It made me think, I wonder if you've ever overcommitted to something in your life. I wonder if you've Maybe committed something and come to the realization that maybe I'm in a little bit too deep here. Um, I lived in Taiwan for six years. I learned Mandarin over there. And as I was learning, it was pretty common that I would find myself in a little bit too deep. I'd confidently start up a conversation in mandarin only two three or four sentences in realize i'm in too deep i don't know what's going on and that's when you resort to the whole like "Hmm, yes yes mm." in chinese it'd be like mm, yes yes mm. and then you'd realize they asked you a question and it would be awkward and you're like i'm i'm in too deep uh, it happens to us all the time, right? And it can start to create a bit of anxiety about being put in the same position. Again, I think very naturally, we don't want to be in positions when we feel where we feel like we're out of our depth. Maybe you started a new job. Maybe you just got thrown in the deep end. They're like, all right, you're on the checkout today. Here you go. And you're like, I don't know how to do any." Of these things. Potentially it's happened at church. We do love throwing people in a little bit too deep um, and saying, you've got this, go for it, run with it. But I wonder when it comes to um, maybe having conversations with other people about Jesus, I wonder if you've felt a similar way. Or maybe you've been afraid of feeling a similar way. Like, I would love to talk to people about Jesus, but I'm just a little bit afraid that I'm going to get in over my head? <laughs> Am I alone in thinking that? That I might find myself just in a little bit too deep. And you can start to think questions like, what if they ask me this? What if they ask me that? What if I don't know how to answer? I remember in my life group one night, we got together and we talked about, hey, what stops us from talking about Jesus? And it was amazing to kind of just see how Or or like what questions are we afraid people would ask is essentially where we got to. And it was like everyone had really thought through what if they ask this or what if they ask this or what if they say that or what if they think I'm like this. It it can often seem like a bit of a challenge. Is that okay to admit that? Hopefully everyone here is, you know, if you're just like gung-ho, confident, no worries, awesome, that's great, come share your tips. But sometimes it can feel a little bit intimidating. And I guess what I want to speak about this evening is, you know, we can feel that pressure to answer all these questions. And But what if it's a lot simpler than that? What if maybe we've actually overcomplicated what it means to share our faith? And what I want to share this evening is just a couple of thoughts, a couple of ideas. This is not... An exhaustive list, okay? So I kind of hope that this will be a start of a conversation. that I've got some thoughts here, and maybe even afterwards, as we have pizza, uh, when you're not cheering for the Panthers to win, um, you can... Nah, gotchas. Um, okay, about three of us are interested in the footy tonight. That's great. <laughs> you know, start to have a conversation. Okay, how can, we, how can we portray Jesus to the people around us? Because as we've been tracking through the book of Acts we're now into the part where the rubber really meets the road. Up until this point, it's been great because it's like, Holy Spirit doing stuff for me and it's amazing and he's healing me and renewing me and inspiring me and he's filling me with passion. And now it's like, and now we go out to the world and share that with everyone else. And it can be a bit like, oh, I'm ready to check out at this point. I'll just, I'm just, i just going to stay in the upper room. That'd be really great, Jesus. Um, and as I was reading through, it's like, man, just chapter after chapter of Paul and Barnabas went here, Paul and Barnabas went here, they went there, they went there. And it moved Moves into mission. And I really, I really believe um, that, and I was talking to Cammy about this last week, that, that we're actually all called to be missionaries. That, that missionary, has kind of taken on this, this form of you go somewhere else and you do something. And that's great. That's awesome. If God's calling you somewhere else, do it. But I actually think that in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families, in our friend circles, we're actually called to live on mission. And that's probably going to involve speaking about Jesus at some point. So I've got some thoughts. Let me get into them. I'm actually going to sit tonight because it's going to be chill, okay? I, want, I don't want this to be like, here are the rules. This is how you do it. Here's some thoughts that I've found really helpful personally, and I hope you find it helpful too. Um, but first, we're going to look at Paul in Acts 17. I love this story. Um, basically, Paul's he's in Athens, and... The people are like it says that it actually has a little note. The people love th- talking about deep thought out ideas, and they kind of hear Paul in the in the in the marketplace, and they're like, "We need you to come and tell us about all these things you've been thinking about because we're very intellectual and we would like to know." And it says in verse twenty two, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the. I should have practiced this word. Sorry, Aeropagus. I'm going to say I don't actually think that's it, but turn past me, you Say Aeropagus. That's the most Australian pronunciation of that word ever, aeropagus. <laughs> people would come to Taiwan, and they'd be like, teach me something, in Chinese would be like, ni hao, and they'd be like, ni hao. That's um, great. Uh, so he gets up, and he says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Now, that just, that's not a judgment he's making on people. He's basically in a space where they have all of their gods, they have all the idols set up, there's the... You know, they're, they're people who worship many gods. So he's saying, hey, I see that you're very religious. For as I walked and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. And there's a lot of backstory there that's amazing, but we're not going to go there tonight. It says, you are so very ignorant of the things you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And he goes on, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of the heaven and the earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him, though he is not far from any one of us. Just stop. Isn't that a cool thought? That, that you would reach out to God even though He's not far from any one of us. Bear in mind, He's talking to people in their place of worshipping idols and worshipping other gods. And Paul is saying, God is not far from you. For in Him, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are And it goes on and they have a bit of interaction and they they like it. And some people decide to believe and some people say, you should come back next week and share again because it was really good. But but I just want to pull a couple of thoughts from this. Basically, Paul gets up. I love how he starts. He's talking about, hey, we're made from one blood. He starts with this common ground of, I'm not the special one here. We're, we're, we're the same. We're, the, we're from the same past. We're from one blood. Just by the way, there's no excuse for racism because we're made by one blood. We're from the same person. That stuff kind of can't exist. He's not saying I'm better than you. He's not saying I've worked it all out. He's saying actually God's not far from you. So in him we live and we breathe. He's making the the difference between an insistent god and a, an existent god that that god's not something that's out there that he's someone that he's something that's within every single one of us he's he's as clo- basically he's saying god is as close to you as he is to me and then he preaches from their own prophets like paul's doing some stuff that we probably would be a little bit uncomfortable with in church like, he didn't quote Scripture when he said, we are his offering. He quoted the prophets of these other random religions. He preaches from their prophets. He's at a pagan altar in kind of a pagan temple, which is basically people who don't believe in our God. And he's saying to them, hey, God's kind of overlooked your idol worship, and, but now it's actually time to change and see things a different way. I'm just trying to give a little context of what he says there so we don't take it away. What he's saying is not, you're evil and bad. What he's saying is, maybe you guys were a little bit ignorant. Which can sound judgmental, right? Like, yes, just FYI. Like If I was like, you're ignorant, doesn't sound great. But what he's saying is, hey, you didn't have all the information to make an informed decision. But what I'm going to give you now is the information you need to be able to make the correct decision. He's basically saying, you've missed something. You, you don't know what you've missed out. And there's actually more to be seen. So what can we learn from all of this about how to talk to our friends about Jesus? Like, it seems like a pretty high bar to get up and preach. And can I just say, that's probably not what we're all called to do. If, if you don't feel comfortable getting up and preaching, that's okay. We're called to have conversations to reflect our Creator to the people around us. So a couple of thoughts. First thought, find common ground. The first thing Paul does is he finds common ground with the people that he's trying to reach. He says, we're all from one blood. He says, God's as close to you as he is to me. He even starts by saying, I see that you are in, very, in every way religious. He's basically like, hey, you want to talk about religion? Okay, great. Let's, let's start on something that we have common. Paul was so geared to, to his audience. He basically had stopped and thought, what did these people understand that's where I'm going to engage with these people. This is important because sometimes the temptation can be to make it about our point of difference, to, to kind of go straight for the things that, where we obviously have a difference or, or to try to argue that, that this is how it needs to be, that this is the way it should be. But actually what we see Paul doing, he's very comfortable finding common ground even though it's stuff he does not agree with, even though it's stuff that's kind of, I guess, off limits to the Jewish mind. He's like, I'm happy to engage with you on the level that you understand. Maybe an example of this, why I found this helpful. I've got a relative that, um, I guess would maybe call herself spiritual. She kind of like, you might know someone like this. She's kind of just got like a bit of every religion to kind of make her own. She's like, you know, she vibes with some Christianity. She vibes with a bit of Buddhism. She vibes with, with this. And she's kind of got her own little conglomerate going on. And I remember a, a year or so ago having a conversation with her about um, this certain charity that she was sponsoring that was from a, a different religion that was reaching out to poor people. And I know in the past that would have been a bit like, to me, it would have been like, okay, how can I end this conversation or maybe this is bad to say have you ever felt like like the christians should be owning that stuff like sometimes it can be hard to be like they're actually doing a great job even if they're from a different religion but i remember just thinking all right where's the common ground here and and she was talking about how it's so important that we, we look after poor people and it's like awesome i totally agree with that and instead of starting with this point of difference, it was like, Yes, let's come on, let's talk about how important it is to look after poor people. Let's talk about how important it is to be compassionate and to be merciful and to be kind to people. And the conversation eventually moved on to a place where I could even share a little bit about, hey, this is why I believe this is important. I really believe that God that for me in my faith, it's really important that we look after people who aren't as well off as us. It's so important to start, hey, where's the common ground? Pastor Chris says this, he says, where we agree, we have unity, and where we disagree, we have love. And I think it goes the same for conversations about faith. It's like, hey, let's start on the common ground. Let, let's start on the common, let's start with what we agree with. It's often easier to keep the conversation going from there. Um, so common ground. And I think it's even, you know, we've got to be humble enough that maybe to even share from our weakness. Let's not be too proud that we have to come across as we've got it all together, I've got all the answers. Sometimes the easiest way to start a conversation is to bond over weakness, is to to bond over the things that maybe I struggle with to help show, hey, I'm human as well. I'm not coming to you as this superior being who's in and has all the answers. It's not. No, I'm. I'm the first one to admit that I'm broken, that I don't have it all together. But what I do have is an amazing God who's gracious, who's kind to me, who's healed me. That's helping my life to flourish. So find common ground. Second thought is keep the conversation going. You know, engaging them where they're at really helps Paul to continue this conversation, I suppose. He comes in not adversarial, like, hey, okay, you've got all these things wrong. You need to fix all of these things. He's like, no, no, let's let's just start a conversation. And hey, maybe you haven't got all the pieces, but let me paint a better picture for you. Interestingly, in these days, the rabbis and the religious leaders, they weren't chosen for their Bible knowledge. They weren't chosen for The answers they could give. I mean, in those days, by the time kids kind of got into his primary school age, they knew most of the Bible off by heart. They they had they had memorized probably more scripture than any of us potentially combined. And but how they chose the rabbi was their ability to keep a conversation about Jesus going. If you remember Jesus in the temple when he gets left behind by his parents, remember how, you know, it's like worst parents ever just like leave Jesus and they go for a couple of days journey and they're like, oh, dang, where's our son? And they go back and it says that everyone was marveled, not by the answers that Jesus was giving, but also by the questions that he was asking, his ability to keep the conversation going. And I think this is really important because I know I've felt the pressure to have all the answers for somebody's questions. Have, have you ever felt that pressure before? I think it can stop us from entering into a conversation because it's like, what if they ask me something I don't know? What, what if they ask me that I'm not sure about? The, the thing is, I think if we're coming into conversations with the mindset of, I've got to prove myself right, we're starting on the wrong foot. I'm actually in this to try and keep the conversation going. I'm not here to prove you wrong. I'm not here to prove me right. I'm here to keep the conversation about Jesus going. Why is that? Well, I think relationship is got to be it's got to be the most powerful way that we can actually reach people by reflecting to people in the context of relationship who Jesus is, who our God is, not necessarily by just, you know, straight in here here no no, it's like through context come and look at my life and see what Jesus is doing the thing with relationship is it takes time, right? Relationship takes time to build. I Within the last few years, when I got back to Australia from being overseas, um, I very quickly realized that all my friends in my whole world was involved in church, which is nice, but also I'm called for a purpose, right? My job is not to be in like some real cushy environment and make a really nice club for Christians to hang out. My job is to go and be a witness. It's to reach people. So I joined this group of guys who had a similar hobby to me. We ride mountain bikes together. And can I tell you, it was so much harder than I expected to build relationship. It actually took a really long time. I remember like a year in recognizing that that person is the first person who's asked me a question about myself. And this is like a year in. So relationship sometimes takes time. And it's not always going to take that time. Don't freak out. But, but relationship actually takes time to build. And if we come into a new relationship with the goal of convincing someone something or ending an argument, chances are that there's not going to be enough time to build a relationship. Just P.S. This is why you shouldn't like... This is why you should hang around after the service. Sometimes people are like, oh, no one spoke to me. It's like, yeah, but if you like kind of leave before the service is over, like no one's going to. That's why it's worth, this is your game plan, if you're like, I want to meet some new people, let me show you how I can do it. As soon as we wrap up here, line up for the cafe, get a drink, and while you're lining up, I guarantee someone will come and speak to you. It's why it's important to be consistently engaged in community because it's difficult to build relationship if there's not time. Naturally, relationship takes time. What I should point out here is I really think that motives matter when it comes to this bit, okay? That, that we have to choose to be genuinely interested in people, that my motive for keeping the conversation going has to be genuine care for someone. I, I think we live in, a, in an age where people are very um, sensitive to or good at sniffing out poor intentions, right? They're really good at sniffing out stuff that's not authentic, so what I'm talking about here is not just this shallow kind of I'm going to be your friend to win, you, win to, you to Jesus. That's not going to work. It's got to be actual genuine care for people. Is this okay? This is just some, this is some thoughts I'm sharing. I'm not here to convert you. I'm here because I care about you. Um, one of the friends that I ride bikes with, this is again probably a year and a half into knowing this person, decided to ask what I did for work and you know, obviously, I work at the church. So I was telling him a bit about church. And it was really amazing. He said to me, and, and he would probably be what would come across as one of the toughest guys in the group, if that makes sense. He's, he's older than me. He's more advanced in his career than me. He's, you know, probably a little bit intimidating. And we had this conversation about kind of faith and he started telling me how he kind of grew up in this really hardcore family where like his aunt wouldn't let him have Panadol if he had a headache because they'd pray for you and you're not allowed to have Panadol and his experience had obviously really turned him off God. Um, But he said to me in kind of his own way, he said, I really appreciate the way that you've just come in, been one of the boys and been really authentic about what you believe. I can tell you're not here trying to win us to something. And he's told a story about another one of their friends or someone who'd come into the group and was just pretty hardcore about, I'm here to win people. Every time after they'd write in the group chat, hey guys, how can I be praying for you? And, and a really good heart, but just come on a little bit too strong. Um, I think it's really important that we learn, hey, how can we keep the conversation going? Our motives matter i'm here because i care about you i'm not here because i'm trying to convert you even though i would love to see i really believe i genuinely believe that jesus could make a massive difference in your life my motive is i care for you if you get into arguments you end by just spitting out your truth then i guess nothing's really been gained has it but if the conversation keeps going who knows where it will go I think maybe it would be good for us as Christians to be more interested in understanding than interested in answering, if that makes sense. More interested in understanding the person, trying to see what God's already doing in their life rather than trying to answer all the questions that they might have. Is this okay? Cool. Keep the conversation going. Third thought, I've got two more, is remember your role. Remember your role. Acts 1-8. This is where we started in Acts But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Really important word there. Witnesses. Be witnesses. What's God called us to be? Witnesses. Be a witness. Basically, what have you seen? What has God done in your life it's not saying be great at arguing every point point. and again if you if you can like having a good sense of what's the word where you can like kind of advocate for your faith articulate no it's not so much yet but it's close it's great to be articulate it's great to have a, a it's great to have a basic sense of uh apologetics is the word i was like a word yeah you know, you know, apologists get up and they can kind of debate and argue about Christian faith. I mean, it's good to have some simple understanding of those kind of things. So when people throw stuff at you, you can kind of kindly have a bit of a response. For example, I had one of my friends was like, "Oh, you know, I just think the problem with the church is that the, you know, they've got so much money and why aren't they doing anything about it?" And he's like, "You drive past church and you see Land Cruisers in the in the car park," and you... and I was like, "Yeah, you know, that's true." and as Christians, we should be really generous, but you know, my defense was some of the most generous people I know drive nice cars. <laughs> it's like they can't give it away fast enough. It's like they're being generous, and it seems like God just keeps providing for them. It's good to be able to, you know, defend your faith, um, but we've got to remember what our role is our role is simply to be a witness. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, if in, say, a court, there's been a car accident involving a Toyota Camry and you've witnessed the car accident involving a Toyota Camry, the judge doesn't get you to come in and say, please explain to me how a Toyota Camry works, right? That would be weird unless you're like the expert witness, right? The judge comes in and they say, what did you see happen? I think that's important because sometimes we can be we we can feel so much pressure to have to explain how everything works when our job is simply to explain what we've seen God do in our life. Someone asks a question I don't know the answer to. You can say. And you should say, I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that question. But what I have seen is that I used to be really anxious and really worried, and God has brought me this sense of peace, how it's like no matter what goes wrong, I just still seem to have peace. So I, I I don't know the answer to your question, but I know what I've seen God do in my life. I think that's so much more compelling than cobbling together an argument. And and I think more than anything, we should be moving away from that and trying to move the conversation to this is what I have seen God do in my life. Why? Because we're called to be witnesses. Obviously, we really should want to. This is a good thing to want to win everybody that we meet. But that's actually not our job. Our job is to be witnesses The rest is actually God's job. If I could put it this way, we're not responsible for the results. I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure, like, I need to save this person. That's not your job. God's job is to save that person. God's job is to transform their heart. God's job is to heal them, to bring them peace, to bring them wholeness, to draw them into himself. Our job is to share it's to open conversation. It's to be a witness to what we've seen him do in our life. It's is to reflect Jesus. I just want to encourage us. Like for some of us, our job is actually to, to, to recognize that that God's close to that person, just like he's close to me. That God's already working in that person's life. Our job is not to like kind of kickstart God working in their life if that makes sense. Have you ever seen like those old school cars and they get that thing where they spin it around to get the engine going? I don't know if you've ever felt like you're reaching out to someone and it's like, I'm just trying to start God working in their life and I'm I'm working really hard but it's going to kick in eventually. That's that's not our job. Our our job is to recognize that God's already at work within that person's life and maybe if I can just look at them and get to know them and understand them and and maybe find some common ground and, and maybe keep the conversation going, I might actually start to see what God is trying to do in that person's life already. And then my job is to like empower that, right? It's to encourage that. It's to be like, hey, like, you know, maybe their life's a little bit messy, but I can really see God working in that area. And I'm going to encourage that. And I'm going to support that because our job is to be witnesses. Open the door, sow a seed. I I think it's important to recognize I had this realization that you never know what someone's going to walk away remembering from a conversation Like, I'm talking tonight, obviously everyone's listening, I don't know what you're going to go away thinking about, hopefully you go away thinking about something profound you might go away thinking that was rubbish what did I, what did I come and listen to that for but hopefully, you, I, just, I don't know what phrase is going to stick in your mind. And it's the same if you were talking to me. I'd probably go away thinking about something that you said. You might, never, you might never know what had actually stuck with me. So never underestimate the power of just sowing a small seed, not trying to feel like I have to convert this person in this moment, understanding that hopefully what I've, what I've sowed, what I've said, maybe later on that God's going to breathe on that. He's actually going to use that to draw that person in. To him. Final thought as I wrap up, and maybe I get the keys, that'd be sweet, um, is that we need to remember God's heart. Um, we've got to remember God's heart. So some of the challenge in reaching out to people, and I think you'd agree with me on this, is that people often have very different images of who God is, right? Um, I've heard it said people don't reject God. They just reject the image of God that's been presented to them. You know, it's often, people often don't have an issue with Jesus, right? It's usually they have an issue with Christians. That's because we're not perfect either, okay? We're human as well. But, but we've got to be careful of the image of God that we're presenting to people around us. So in many ways, God's betrayed, has been portrayed sorry, as judgmental, as angry, as some kind of ineffective Santa Claus, right? Like, God's been portrayed like that, right? Where it's like, he's this dude I pray to and he does the things I want sometimes. It's like, uh, I think that's quite who God is. So we've got to be careful. We've got to remember God's heart when we're presenting him to people and hopefully clearly portray God for who he is. Jesus came and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what does God look like? He looks like Jesus, exactly like Jesus. It's kind of a challenging thought, but the people in the Old Testament didn't actually have a complete image of who God was. They had parts of the image of who God was, but it's not like there's all these different images of God and Jesus is a image of God. Jesus is the image of God. Every other image has to be found in Jesus. He's our key to understanding what God actually looks like. So how does God how how does Jesus approach? How does Jesus present himself to people? How does he portray the heart of God? In Matthew 5, 30, 31, in Matthew five, Jesus has been accused for hanging out with the wrong crowd. He's been accused for hanging out with people who don't fit in, who are sinners, who have been very much judged by the religious people of that day. I think his answer is so fascinating. Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick if I can put it this way it says in the message paraphrase Jesus heard about it and spoke up who needs a doctor the healthy or the sick I'm here inviting outsiders not insiders an invitation to a changed life changed inside and out this is his response to to why are you hanging out with sinners and I think the image I'm trying to show here is, is sometimes, I think in the past, and it's a really good thing, we've really made it on how God wants to forgive you. And who would agree? That's an incredible thing. That's so important, that that God wants to forgive you, that His, His heart is for you. But I think sometimes in our culture, where morality has become so relevant, where wrong and right is so much up to the person, sometimes people don't understand straight away that they need to be forgiven. So so the message of God wants to forgive you might not always be the most compelling if they don't understand what that truly means. Forgiveness is incredible, but it's part of the picture. Forgiveness is, is part of it, but Jesus is also the great physician. He heals hurt. He heals pain. He brings wholeness. He puts the broken pieces back together. So yes, He wants to forgive you, but part of that forgiveness is He wants to heal you. I guess what I'm trying to say is not everyone recognizes that they need forgiveness but anyone who's hurting knows they need healing. And maybe actually part of our role is to help people understand that, that not only does God love them and wanna forgive them, but God actually wants to heal them. God wants them to experience wholeness. God wants them to experience the fullness of the life that he has created for him. So so we're not here to, to judge people. We're not here to forgive people. Our job is to help people find healing through Jesus. That's what Jesus wants. He wants healing, freedom, wholeness. That's actually what the word salvation means. Salvation is not just I put my hand up in a service and I prayed a prayer. Salvation is a process that we go on where God takes the broken pieces and He puts them back together. Where, where He creates this kind of like beautiful mosaic out of the brokenness of our life and writes a better narrative where there was hurting and where there was pain and where, where there was brokenness. And so I think we've got to remember the heart of God as we're, as we're in conversations about who Jesus is and about, about, as we're talking to our friends about Jesus. We've got, we've got to remember that, that God's a great physician. And, and rather than being put off by people's sin and, and, and being judgmental and backing away, let, let's instead recognize that, hey, where, where there's hurting, that, that God wants to be, God wants to actually bring healing. Don't be put off by what's happening at the surface recognize that god wants to do something in that person's life that god wants to bring healing and wholeness there as well so i hope that's been okay just some thoughts how do we talk about jesus well a good way to start would be to find common ground also be helpful to remember how i'm gonna i want to keep this conversation going got to be genuinely interested in this person i've got to care about this person remember that it's actually god that does the real heavy lifting our job is just to kind of point our fingers towards Him and to say, look, that's, that's what He's done in my life. And in all of it, we've got to remember God's heart and, and maybe be a little bit cautious of the image of God that we're projecting to the people that are around us. Starting by understanding, of, uh, starting by understanding what, what do they understand about God and trying to kind of meet them where they're at rather than trying to meet them where they're not. A couple of questions just to, to wrap this up, maybe to help us apply it a little bit first question how confident are you to have a conversation about jesus i just want you to think about that how confident are you to have a conversation about jesus and again we're not talking about just going out on the street and doing it if you, that's great i'm not pooping on that at all just maybe with someone you know someone you care about someone you're in a friendship group with a family member how confident do you feel And if you don't feel confident, my question to you would be, why not? What if it was reframed to just sticking to what you've seen? What if you didn't have to give great explanations for everything? What if it was just explaining what you had seen? If that's it, maybe if you're still feeling worried, maybe it's it's actually would be appropriate for you to stop and clearly think through how to articulate what you've seen God do in your life a really good template for your testimony or your story is what did my life look like? What did God do? And what does my life look like now? It's time to stop and articulate. And we'd all have, each of us would have so many stories of where something was like this, then God did something and it was different. Maybe it's time to articulate that. Definitely need to try. The the goal here is not... um, confidence, if, if that makes sense. It's not, it's not like, don't do it unless you're confident. No, no. You only get confident by doing it. I think sharing your faith is like a muscle. The only way you'll get better at it is by actually doing it. My friend said, it's hard to talk about Jesus if you never talk about Jesus. And I found that to be so true. But if it can just become part of your common conversation, it becomes so much more natural. It becomes so much more, it becomes so less forced when it's a part of something that I'm used to doing. Try it tomorrow or Tuesday. I keep forgetting tomorrow's public holiday. Someone at work says, What did you do on the weekend? Maybe you would consider saying, I went to church. And maybe even more profound for that would be, What was good about it? You know, I went to church and man, I was so encouraged by some amazing people that, that got around me. And whatever that is, the more you talk about it, the easier it gets. Second question. What could you do to be better at keeping conversations going? What could you do to be better at keeping the conversation going? I wonder if you're drawn into arguments too quickly or maybe you feel this compulsive need to get your point across. Do you need to stop and take time to genuinely care about someone else? Can I just say some of these points tonight, this goes beyond just talking about Jesus. This just goes for healthy relationship, hey. This is good advice for if you just want to be better at making friends, find common ground, keep the conversation going, be more interested in them than you are about talking about yourself. I'm preaching to myself here cuz I'm really bad at talking about myself. I'm challenging myself. I'm like don't mention mountain bikes to me or I just I just know that's my that's my red flag. If someone says mountain bikes, I'm like I cannot say anything or I will say everything. Um So if you just want to be better at having, if you want to be better at meeting new people, hey, find some common ground. What's something that you're both interested in? Be more interested in that person. The same goes for talking about our faith. Third question, what do you perceive as your role in people meeting Jesus? Do you feel like all the pressure rests on you? Or do you trust that God is working in them and was working in them far before you even engaged with them? Another question would be, are you intentionally living on mission, looking for opportunities to reflect Jesus and to engage people in conversation? Because that's really the common thread of Scripture is about reaching other people. We've got to be careful, even at at, at church here, we try and make this a pretty open environment to, to reaching other people because, you know, church can be about so many other things, great worship and great ministry. And if we're not careful... As Christians, we can kind of become these like over-engorged Christians who are just feeding all the time. Or well, what's what's this for me? What's God want to do in my life? What what's God doing next mine? Which are great questions, but we've got to remember that God actually wants us to wants to use us to reach other people. I think the number one plan of the enemy is to get you so focused on yourself and what's wrong with yourself and your own problems that you don't even see the people around you. Maybe this is a challenge to some of us to step back a little bit and look who's around me. How's God trying to use me? We've we got to be careful that we don't. This is maybe this is just like a rant, but we've got to be careful we don't end up holding scorecards on how good church was for us. Like how, okay, this church is a six, it's a seven, worship was an eight tonight. And it's like, so don't worry about just what's in it for me. Let's, let's be thinking about how can I reach the people in the world around me. Final thought. How do you imagine God's heart for you? How do you imagine God's heart for you? Would you just stop? Would you just close your eyes with me just for a second? When you really think about God's heart for you, do you see it as healing or as judgment? Do you see God's heart as wanting to find the stuff you've done wrong? Or do you see God's heart as wanting to heal? the interesting thing is that the picture of God as a judge, it's, it's kind of lost in our modern context of our modern legal system. In the day, a judge was much more like a defense attorney, was someone who was fighting for your behalf. And that's God's heart for you. It's healing. It's wholeness. It's not to hold things against you. It's not to wait till you trip up. God's heart is that you would be made whole. I just want to encourage you tonight. Maybe it's time to actually peel back some of those old images and the, the old religion and old way of thinking that might taint the way that you see God and to recognize that His heart towards you is healing. Would you stand with me this evening? I'd just love to pray for us. And maybe if this, would you make this your prayer too if, if you're like this is man I I'd really want to reach my friends I, I don't know how, it's, or maybe I'm even intimidated a little bit but, but tonight you're willing to kind of open your heart to God would you make some opportunities, if I see the opportunity I'm going to dive on it, God we just thank you that your heart for people is so big, that you love people, that you're so close to each and every person that you're working in their lives already And we just pray for our friends. We pray for our family members. We pray for opportunities to share about you. We pray you'd help us to be really good at finding common ground. That you'd help us to care more about other people than we do about ourselves. God, we pray you'd help us to be able to really clearly articulate what you've done in our lives. And God, we do really pray that you'd help us to recognize where you're already at work. In Jesus' name, amen.